Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. And we want to welcome back on this Friday, Fright Night Friday, uh, uh, Father David Mowry. Welcome back. Great to be back. Thank God it's Friday. (laughs) Yes. Uh, This is Minute 95 of Fright Night, otherwise known as Bat Minute. Uh, I want to shout them out for this this minute. (laughs) It begins with a giant jerry bat and ends with the search for a cellar dweller. All right, so uh, we've gone past the animation, and now we have a giant frickin' bat <laughs> flying through the air. And but even even before that, you have Peter just pushing Charlie out of the way, and it's it's not yeah. in the like both hands. No, get down, I'll save you. It's the no. Peter Vincent's taking center stage. Yeah, I know. Uh, he, you know, and and I, I I do wonder, like, okay, is it is it is Peter trying to take over the hero role here? Uh, I mean, he's faced off now with Evil Ed, with Amy, with Jerry, and now this giant Jerry bat. <laughs> Um, but again, he immediately regrets his decision. You can see it all over his face. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, it's a great POV shot, though. I love it. Uh, the camera gets right up to Peter, and uh, uh, but yeah, I just think to think of him as like you know Peter the protector. You know, he's he's the adult here. He's he wants to help uh, these teenagers. He feels guilty for abandoning them at, the, at first, and now and now he's back. Um, I mean, gosh, uh, Charlie got knocked out in the house, and Peter ran right out of it, you know, 20 minutes ago, uh, or, you know, three hours ago, whatever you want to <laughs> say. Um, but yeah, so it's a swift transformation for Peter, but it, it's one that's been deserved. He's realized his weakness. He's realized how he's, he's made uh, a fool of himself and he's, he's properly contrite and now he's trying to atone. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another segment called Robin Reads. Uh, <laughs> this is the uh, first version of uh, the Jerry Bat. This is the, the the first version. This is the uh, the marionette. Um, mm. So again, this is uh, Richard Edlund's FX team, and uh, their previous project is uh, Ghostbusters. And this bat, at least the head of it, looks a lot like those demon dogs from Ghostbusters. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah. I can see some similarity in the work. It almost looks like the ghost face of the librarian woman too. There's uh, oh yeah yeah. There's there's definitely something about this effect that that is familiar. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this this thing that's flying through the air. This is the marionette. Um, we get into the other version of it in a moment. But um, yeah, Tom Holland says there has never been a successful bat in any vampire movie I've seen. For Fright Night, I wanted there to be a connection between the vampire as a man and as a bat. 
so according to uh, Cinefax Magazine, uh, the task of designing, sculpting, and animating the nocturnal bloodsucker fell to Randy Cook, who says, uh, I thought it would be fun to incorporate, incorporate various elements of the actor's appearance into the bat sculpture. The only problem was that the bat had to be sculpted before the actor playing Jerry Dandridge was even cast. So uh. we didn't know what to make it look like. What, <laughs> what saved us was that we did know the vampire was going to become more bestial every time he got angry. So I figured we could probably work backwards. That is, I thought we could design the bat first and then adapt stages of the makeup to an actor that would have a very various resonances of the bat's appearance. We also made sure that the colors in the final transformed creature were reminiscent of the colors in the makeup palette that the vampire has when he's at his most overt, the grayish, almost bluish skin against the burning eyes. So that that's really interesting. Mm. They built this thing before they even got Chris Sarandon involved. Right. And, I was going to say that the the bat face did not really remind me of Chris Sarandon all that much. <laughs> yeah, but what they you know that what they did is you know they take this thing and and then they design Chris Sarandon's makeup you know after the fact. I would say the mouth is similar to the to the rest of the vampires, but mm-hmm. that that's uh, but I, I it just looks like a. Well, you're not looking at the marionette. No, I'm not. But, <laughs> but, but it, it looks like a. All around, it sort of looks like a, a shaved Doberman. <laughs> <laughs> That's what ugly Doberman. Uh, let me continue here. It was suspended by wires and shot against blue screen to appear as if it was flying down the hallway. Uh, Cook originally wanted to animate the bat as a stop-motion puppet instead of a marionette. Edlund wanted to do a marionette because he thought it would be more time and cost-effective. Uh, according to Cinema, Cinefantastique magazine from January of 86, he says, uh, Randy, Randy says, had I been able to use stop motion, the bat's flight could have been better than what it turned out to be. We could have had it crashing into walls and all sorts of action. But all things considered, I think what we came up with turned out all right. <laughs> I, I, I think it's great, other than the obvious green screen, uh-huh. right? Or blue screen. Or blue whatever. screen, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to clean up those matte lines. Yeah. When the creature was brought on set, uh, the Fangoria magazine was visiting, and apparently Tom Holland was uh, uh, empathetically gushing to the writer, on a scale of 1 to 10, isn't it a terrific bat? (laughs) (laughs) Tom loved that bat. (laughs) Still has it to this day. Uh Yeah, I'm getting to that. So... um, we get a, a a quick Peter POV as the bat flies at us, and I was thinking, you know, with those matte lines, like, wouldn't that have been kind of cool if it was, you know, a 3D movie and that was in 3D? I don't know. <laughs> a theater might have been kind of scary to 80s audiences. Oh, right. <laughs> well, yeah, it does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that this is the gimmick moment for like, oh, it's jumping right out of the screen yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah. And so it slams into Peter, knocking him to the floor. And we see the bat in full size now as it thrashes and snaps at Peter. And, uh, yeah, it's a it's a big, big bat. Uh, it looks pretty demonic. Um, but now we are on, on to the second bat. Um, oh. This is the hand puppet. Right. And they call this bat Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, sorry, uh, more reading. Um, Cinefax Magazine. Uh 
Also designed by Randy Cook, the creature was an exact duplicate of the marionette in size and appearance, but it was operated manually and with cables and rods rather than wires. Quote, As far as the movement goes, it was done in a very straightforward manner, with my poor bloody hand crammed into the mechanism that I had built just a little too tight. It was awful. But I wanted to make sure that it was my hand in there. Aside from the tight fit, I had the same problem that every other puppeteer of this sort has. You put your hand up inside, and by the time you get a take that's good, you have no strength left. Hmm. Poor Roddy McDowell had the biggest challenge of all, though. After maneuvering the bat for so long, I was exhausted. And so he was fighting with this incredibly weak thing, trying manfully to make it look as if he was in peril. Of course, the only real danger was that my hand might collapse and strangle him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With seven people puppeteering the creature, it became difficult to shoot the scene without crew members becoming visible on film. Particularly Cook, who had to keep his head burrowed in McDowell's crotch. To, or, to avoid being seen. <laughs> oh, no. Quote, we would flail this silly thing around until some semblance of coordination fortuitously happened, doing it over and over again until they got enough good pieces to cut it all together. <laughs> uh, so, back to the movie. Uh, wow. <laughs> Pete- well, I feel, I feel bad for that poor puppeteer. Oh, I mean, gosh. I... I uh, when I was in high school, we did a production of Little Shop of Horrors, uh-huh. and uh, the, the we had the the puppeteer inside the man-eating plant, and the poor guy would have these progressively larger plant puppets he had to operate until eventually we had the biggest puppet possible. Right. He's moving his entire torso in order to make the thing talk, <laughs> and and so you know that you know gave me all kinds of sympathy for puppeteers, and then you add the the movie element of it where you have to have take after take after take after take to, yeah. and then uh yeah that really does become more and more roddy mcdowell's responsibility <laughs> to sell the scene yeah he's just grabbing it and like struggling with it as if he's i don't know <laughs> it's so funny oh no stop uh, get it off me. yeah <laughs> So here Peter thinks quick and puts something in his mouth. And I realized, you know, watching it second by second, he, he shoves a bone in his mouth. And that, that, that's a billy bone that's right a, there. That's a billy bone. <laughs> yeah. I never realized. I, I originally thought it was a steak when I was, I, you mm. know, just watched this at normal speed. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a billy bone. Uh, the jerry bat struggles against the billy bone and lifts its head up, pulling it from Peter's hands. So here we go back to my reading again. I apologize. Uh, this is from Cinefix magazine. Puppets hearing blindly, Cook was unable to hit his mark. First, the bone slides under the bat's chin, then bops it on the nose, but keeps missing its mouth. Tom, Tom Holland decided that they position the bone in the bat's mouth, have Cook retract the creature, and then they edit the film in reverse to appear as if it was biting. It. Then, while grappling with the exhausted puppeteer's hand, McDowell jerked the bone too hard, which cracked the bat's skull and its eyeballs sunk into its head. (laughs) Oh no! Uh, the bat was quickly patched, but required repairs forced them to wait two days to shoot more close-ups. And uh, Fangoria, again, was on the set when all this was going down. This is from their magazine in uh, from August of 1985. And uh, I'm going to quote Tom Holland and, uh, you know, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry there's bad language here. But Tom Holland says... I love that bat. I want the fucker to work. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you, you got to wonder every director is haunted by the, the ghost of Jaws whenever <laughs> yes. they have a monster puppet in their movie because they just they heard all the horror stories about Spielberg fighting with that blasted shark. <laughs> so, yeah, it lunges at Peter again, but Peter wraps its hand, his hands around its throat. Uh, Peter struggles and cries out in fear. And then the Jerry Bat takes one of his little talon wings and scratches Peter's face. Yeah, now he scratches his face and we get a, a big, satisfying Foley effect for that scratch. It yeah. sounds like he is cutting all the way through his cheek. <laughs> But then there's no wound <laughs> in the later scenes. Yep, he, Peter Vincent is totally fine. Yep. <laughs> so was that was that Peter's pants splitting or what? Because it obviously wasn't actually scratching him. There was definitely blood on his cheek, though. I'm wondering, yeah. did his faith heal him? <laughs> oh. Or is Peter Vincent secretly Wolverine? Oh. <laughs> so Charlie finally jumps into action. Uh, and you're like, what the heck has he been doing while this is going on? <laughs> like, is he even just standing there? Is, well, he got. Did Peter, like, push him to the floor when he pushed him aside and he's just, like, pulling himself together? I think he knocked him out. I think I think Charlie was out cold for a couple <laughs> seconds here. Uh, Charlie grabs the jerry bat, who turns its head and bites his right arm. Uh, Charlie screams and then falls back. So, uh... <laughs> that shirt's dry clean only. No! <laughs> well, I wonder, is, is Charlie going to be a vampire now? If, if, if he doesn't defeat Jerry, now he's infected with the... Uh, with the vampire? I don't know. That's one thing this movie doesn't really touch on. No. Is, is how the transformation takes place. I mean, Jerry bit Amy. That's all we really saw of that. Right, right. Um, uh, but Ed, as we said, Amy's taking a long time to transform. He bit Ed, and five minutes later, Ed's like... Ed's like, hey, I'm ready to go I'm harass the old yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. And I know all the rules. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know... I will say uh, I'm glad this was not in the movie, but in the novelization, uh, the Jerry Bat like bites Charlie and then cocks its head up and lets out an evil laugh. <laughs> yeah, be- uh, that that would have been super cheesy. I would have been totally on for it, but I, I could understand not doing that in the movie. That that would be a little too hammy. Yeah. That'd be pretty Gremlins or the Ghoulies or something. Like <laughs> yeah. That. Uh, Peter gets sun in his eyes and he looks up and he sees the ever brightening window. So Peter makes a decision to pull the Jerry bat actually closer to him into the sunlight. I, I, I think, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure if he, he did that or if the bat actually just like after he got a bite of Jer- Charlie, he then lunged at Peter again and then didn't realize that he was going right into sunlight. Right. Well, I think we can give Peter the benefit of the doubt. He has to at least hold the vampire in the right place. So yeah. it's, it's a matter of gauge. Like, okay, how much give do I take? I go, it's that old, uh, you know, the martial arts trick where you use the opponent's strength against them in order to, uh, put them flat on their back. Okay. Well, I'm going to let him lunge at me, but I'm going to hold back just enough to hold him in place in the sunlight. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, the Jerry bat screams like a baby and starts to, to smoke and we see this, uh, quick flash. Well, it's so unhealthy. Flame. I thought that now that tobacco is just going to really ruin his lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Young vampires really shouldn't be smoking. <laughs> 
Charlie, clutching his wrist, looks up when it screams, and we now see the Jerry Bat in the sunlight, wings spread, uh, just looking, uh, you know, I don't know, so just demonic. I don't know. Yeah, well, I love I love the green fire effect. Yeah. Behind the bat, it, it it creates the the you know it, it imparts you the knowledge that you know this is a creature of evil. This is something unnatural, and just the pure light of day is revealing the dark energies within it. Oh gosh! So the Jerry Bat breaks loose and flaps away into the darkness of the hallway and, and into the basement. And I love the little trail of smoke that follows it. <laughs> just woo, like a like a, a like a bomber jet going down. Yeah. <laughs> And we and what now? What do you what do you think Jerry Bat being cooked in the sun smells like? <laughs> Not good. I mean, uh, yeah, like oh gosh, awful. I, I, you know, I, 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 my mind immediately goes to bacon, but like I can't imagine it smells as appealing as bacon. Well, like, well, like I would say burnt bacon mixed with the smell of burning hair. Yeah, right? Ugh, like burning garbage. <laughs> It's interesting, another, like, little Foley thing. Uh, as he disappears into the darkness, uh, we hear this, boom! <laughs> and I'm not sure. We've gotten, like, different transformation sounds, and I wonder if that's a, uh, like, I'm screwed. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, something where he's turning back into his normal self. But I, I do like the, bu- the bust, uh, the bust falling down, the little plinth in the yeah. Is that Napoleon? The pillar. I don't know. It's hard to say what the, <laughs> the, the bust of, but that breaking. That's a cool little the plant. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a bust of Jerry from like three hundred years ago. Oh yeah, it's true. He does have paintings of uh, uh, the ladies he's been with. Why not right. have himself in, as like a I don't know a French magistrate, uh, <laughs> Javert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the script, it says Jerry turns into a bat and smashes into Charlie, leaving two bloody claw marks on his chest, knocking him off his feet, and then disappears down the hall. So I guess we didn't get that. And prob- yeah, that I would I would have been okay with that because you know let let's let's be honest, Charlie kind of has an easy time of it yeah. once he's in the house. Yeah. He's never really in any danger up until uh, Amy shows up in a couple minutes in the basement. Yeah. But you know, until then, he's just kind of running around, checking on Amy. He goes up to the attic, nothing happens. He goes downstairs, nothing happens. So, you know, the worst he's had of it is getting bit by the bat. And as we see in this minute, he's totally fine afterwards. <laughs> he's just yep. more surprised than anything when the bat bit him. Uh I mean, he did get knocked out and knocked over a stairway and knocked out. I mean, that's probably and then picked up, brought upstairs and then dropped well, on the floor. But yeah, that, that, he got knocked down, but he got knocked down by. P- yeah. Uh so the current whereabouts uh, of this uh, Bat Marionette, I, I, I did find out. Um, in 2009, the marionette and a werewolf mask uh, worn by Stephen Jeffries, Evil Ed, uh, were auctioned as a set and ultimately sold for $15,000. Oh. As a set? Well, yeah. Not bad. It's unknown where the hand puppet bat ultimately ended up. Uh, the winner of the auction was not disclosed, but it soon became apparent when both items were viewed in various video interviews encased in plexiglass in director Tom Holland's home. <laughs> 
<laughs> Holland had the bat restored. But this mystery has not been solved <laughs> yeah. to this day. <laughs> it's just funny that like this and and uh we know that Tom Holland does have like a collection of Fright Night things and mm-hmm. uh he goes uh he goes uh, on the hunt or gets tips sometimes. <laughs> um and uh, yeah, it's funny that um, he actually had the bat restored and posed with the creature for photographer Lynn Peters in April of 2015. And uh, I think at this point, uh, when I release the episode, maybe we'll put some of those pictures up on like our Twitter or something uh, because it's funny. It's just I don't know. It's like he's just so proud of this bat creature. <laughs> uh, and just enough to get like a a studio shot of himself like right. posing with it, you know. And he's even got like smoke pouring up behind him. Uh, oh wow, yeah. he really went for it. Yeah, yeah. That's at uh, in a, I I believe you can find that at lynnpeters.com as well. Um. So yeah, that's that's it for that bat. Um. So for the rest of this minute, Peter goes to Charlie, asking him if he's all right. Charlie's in some pain, but he quickly gets to his feet, and they run to the basement. They're running out of time. Um, and, yeah, like you said. Uh, Suck it up, Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, Peter's definitely all right, too. He's His wounds on his face are healed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so shouldn't they? And, and, then, and then in total subversion of all horror movie tropes, the light in the basement works. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That, that's that was that came as a total surprise. Okay, they're going to go downstairs. They're going to try the light. Oh, the lamp doesn't work. Oh, oh no, what are we going to do? And like, oh, the light turns out. Like, well, oh, I didn't yeah, maybe expect the phone that. works too. I don't, <laughs> usually, it doesn't work either. Um, right. I got to say, uh, you know, they're on the run to kill Jerry, and the whole thing was we have to kill him by dawn. Like, isn't it dawn already? <laughs> like, uh, dawn is more of a state of mind uh, than it is a definitive time. You see. It's just, it's whenever it's, you know, dramatically convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, also in the script, there's a bit more urgency here because uh, they're um, running to the basement, but then the apparently we were supposed to go upstairs and see Amy, uh, who was locked in the attic, break out of the, of the door. The doors fly open and she runs out as well. But um, I guess they wanted to kind of save the surprise of that. Yeah. So, yeah, we kind of end up in the basement. I mean, we see some jars, a tea kettle, a suit of armor for some reason. (laughs) Uh, But that's it for this minute. And we'll get into some basement shenanigans uh, starting next week. But um, I definitely want to thank you, Father David, for uh, hanging out with us tonight. Oh, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, you know, like I said, it's it's not often that I get invited onto a show where my expertise has direct relevance to the plot of the movie. You know, we got to talk about crosses and crucifixes. This is great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, re- really, I want to kind of finish off this week by like asking you: uh, Have you encountered a vampire? Have you killed any vampires in your past? Uh, do you have actually any experience about this that you wanted to bring to the podcast before we end the week? <laughs> well, uh, you know, if if I had encountered a vampire, uh, the Vatican wouldn't want me uh, talking about it because we don't want to upset people out oh. uh, you know, out in podcast listening land. Uh, but 
I would I would just you know always encourage folks to uh, be mindful of you know the kind of lifestyle that vampirism is is a symbol for you know that kind of lifestyle where uh, you are putting yourself above everyone else and you are only seeking to take from others for your own benefit and you know generally leading to others uh, degradation you know certainly evil Ed is not better off for having met Jerry Dandridge yeah. and you know Amy is is in a similar dangerous position of going the same way. You know, we all have a tendency to be vampires, you know, where we draw life from other people through relationships, through um, manipulation, through exploitation, and through the rest, and we can fall into this... Um, uh, this self-delusion, you know, that Jerry has it. Jerry sees himself as a suave individual, that he's master of all he surveys and he can get away with anything he wants because he has the power, he has the ability, he has the charisma to do whatever. And, you know, what undoes him is a nosy teenager from next door and a washed up TV actor. He's, he's totally <laughs> not, not just defeated, he's humiliated by the end of the movie. Uh, and that's, that's always you know, the way of things, you know, that you, you know, pride goeth before a fall. So it, it, not that I fought any real vampires, but you know, there is a little bit of vampire in each of us that you know, we need to guard against. And, you know, I, I would say, you know, holding close to the cross is a good way of uh, keeping that, that vampire within us at bay. That's true. There are a lot of people out there that do suck. I will, I will <laughs> definitely vouch for that. Uh, <laughs> Very punny. Very punny. <laughs> I was originally going to directly accuse you of being a vampire, but uh, anyway, that's just because I'm so pale. <laughs> uh, thank you again, Father David. Uh, did you want to give one last plug uh, before we uh, uh, say goodbye? Well, is it time to say goodbye? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Let, let's just end the week on a serious note. Well, Robin and Len, thanks so much for having me on the show. It was a blast to, to talk about Fright Night with you. Uh, if folks are interested in hearing more of my uh, blathering, uh, they can go to my personal website, fatherdavidmowry.com. Uh, you go to the podcasts section of that. I've got... Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> at this point, I think around 30 episodes of various movies by minutes podcasts that I've been on. Uh, the ones that the ones that I'm that I really uh, enjoyed being on. I, I loved being on Star Wars Minute, talking with Pete and Alex um, about first Attack of the Clones and then uh, one episode of Force Awakens. And the another week I'm really uh, I was really pleased to be on was for uh, Iron Man on Marvel Movie Minute, where uh, we did some really we had some really great conversations about the theology of iron man uh what, oh, yeah, what can we learn yeah, what, what can we learn about uh you know salvation uh theological anthropology by looking at the the train wreck of a human being that is tony stark <laughs> uh so you know, those are those are a couple episodes that i that i really uh, enjoyed being on for but you can find all the episodes that i've been on at fatherdavidmowry.com and we definitely want to give a quick shout-out to the guys behind the Movies by Minute phenomenon, since you mentioned it, uh, Alex and Pete from Star Wars Minute. And if you want to find more podcasts to cover movies minute by minute, please visit moviesbyminutes.com. And uh, I think it's time to put a stake in this one. Please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to frightnightminute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I am Robin. I've been PG-13. <laughs> I've been Father David Mowry. Thanks for listening. Have a fright night, everyone. He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> <laughs> You're so-